And welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. As it's been the past few weeks, I just received an email about a call from last week's episode. Jenny chimed in on a call about a mysterious chimpanzee in a child's bedroom. Jenny writes the following. Hello. If you're looking for a middle ground explanation for Scott's call from California between literal chimp and fever dream, then perhaps consider the few stories I've heard on some paranormal podcasts. I'm much better at remembering general stories than their specific sources, but perhaps an alien or unknown visitor comes to a child's room in the guise of an unthreatening cartoon character or childhood icon. If we're exploring paranormal options for Scott's experience, perhaps it's something like that. Some unknown but real thing entered his room in the guise of a chimp wearing overalls because it thought it'd be less less frightening to a rather young child. It was perhaps a real experience, but the chimp, quote-unquote, aspect was more of a disguise. This was the first paranormal-esque explanation I thought of as I listened to your caller's account. Anyway, I really enjoy your show. Regards, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny, for writing in. I think it's a very interesting theory, and quite frankly, I'm a bit embarrassed that I didn't think of it myself. The activity Jenny described in her email is well documented in alien abduction lore. I'm going to make an attempt to spotlight this phenomena in an upcoming episode. So thank you again, Jenny, for bringing this to my attention. This is a weird week for me. I'm actually recording the show on a Sunday. Typically, I record on release day, which is Thursday. But early this week, I'm taking off on a cross-country drive to eventually end up in Ohio. But let's not let this early recording get in the way of a great show. I have several awesome calls to share with you, and a first for Monsters Among Us, which I will get to later on in the show. So what do you say we get started? It's not uncommon for a family living in a haunted home to assign a name to the entity. Sometimes these names seem to come out of thin air. And even stranger, family members silently assign the same name, unknowingly agreeing upon a common moniker. A perfect example of this is the name my grandparents independently gave the strange presence in their home. They called him Charlie. Other times, the name selected is more descriptive, Often names such as the thing, the creature, or the beast find their way into the ether. 
Our first caller of the evening assigned a name to his own troubling presence, but I'll let him explain further. The following call was submitted anonymously. Hello, I'm a new listener, and I'd like to share an encounter that I have had with the paranormal. It was October of 1997. I was a sophomore in high school. Both my parents worked, and my brother stayed with my grandparents in the morning, so he could catch the bus on to his grade school. Uh, no one was in the house but me, usually from 6 a.m., until I'd leave the house for school around 7.30. One morning I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth. The house was dead quiet, but then I heard a commotion of sorts down the hall. It was like someone left a door open and a huge gust of wind blew in from outside and it was coming closer. Uh, Of course this sparked my curiosity, so I looked over at the door. As soon as I did, I saw a tall black shadow in the shape of a man quickly go by the door. I couldn't believe it, and I stood there in horror, unable to move. We had bells attached to the back door. I guess as a cheap burglar alarm. Um, After the thing had gone past the door, I heard it go through the kitchen and slap the bells on the back door, making a huge jingling noise. Hearing that loud noise kind of made me snap out of it, and I took off running out of the house in, in terror. I jumped in my car and took off without looking back in fear of what I would see if I did. At the time, I had only told my girlfriend, who just thought I was messing with her to scare her. It was probably a week later and she was over and we decided to watch a movie. We were both sitting on the couch and I had a few tapes on top of the VCR that I had already watched. My girlfriend said aloud she wanted to watch Pulp Fiction. As soon as I stood up uh, to grab the tape, it was like an invisible hand smacked that exact tape and it flew directly in the garbage can beside the TV. I once again froze in horror as my girlfriend yelled at me for trying to scare her. I asked her if she saw what I had just seen, and she angrily said she did, and she wanted to know how I did it. I think it was the fact that I was clearly terrified when she finally understood it was no joke, and we both took off out of the house. I finally had the courage to tell my mom about both of the incidents, When I did, she said, uh, Oh, thank God. I thought I was going crazy. Uh, 
she told me how she saw uh, what we would eventually call the black thing uh, as well. She saw it a few times down that same hallway. Some nights she'd feel like someone would plop down on the foot of her bed. It would wake her up out of a deep sleep, but nothing would be there. I asked my brother if he saw anything weird. Uh, He told me he didn't see anything, but sometimes when he'd watch TV in the basement, our family dog would wake up out of nowhere and start growling at nothing. I also witnessed this several times uh, after he told me this. My dad is terrified at the idea of ghosts and refuses to talk about them, so we have never asked him if he had seen anything. After I had seen the black thing, I, I always felt like I was being watched, and I always felt uneasy. Wherever I was in the house, that room had to have all the lights on. Even though the lights would be on, I'd still see things quickly move out of the corner of my eye, but I wasn't sure if it was just my imagination or the shadow man. I felt like I was going crazy. The worst part was I knew no one would believe me unless they saw this thing too, so I basically told no one. I barely slept and would constantly wake up in a panic. I had to buy a nightlight and I still have to sleep with one to this day. That's how much this thing has affected my life. Over the years, the activities died down and I eventually moved out. Many years later, I was watching a paranormal show and they started to talk about shadow people. The hairs on my arms stood up and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That was exactly what I saw in the hall that morning. Uh, The only difference between my shadow person and uh, other people's accounts were my shadow man actually touched things. And I've yet to hear a story other than mine about uh, a shadow man physically moving things. Uh, Twenty years later, my mom still lives in that house, and she said she hasn't seen or heard anything in years. I no longer feel as if someone is watching me when I go over either. She has two dogs, and they do not wake up out of a dead sleep and growl at nothing. Uh, I'm not a religious man, uh, so if I wasn't a witness to this, I would think it was completely insane, and I was totally making this up for attention. I know what I saw, though. And that image of the black thing is burned in my memory forever, still haunting me to this day. I can't explain it. 
and I think that's what bothers me the most. Thanks for letting me share my experience. Thank you for sending your story in. My first observation here is the fact that the shadow entities seem to have the ability to move objects. As the caller hints at, it's not often that you hear of such an entity having the ability to move items. And of course, that's assuming that these things even exist. This call also touches on an important topic. It's my personal opinion that it's very important to discuss strange happenings in your home with fellow housemates. A simple discussion could cut right to the chase. Perhaps that strange activity you're experiencing is simply your roommate moving items. Or that unearthly sound is simply your significant other playing a scary film in another room. And it goes without saying that you could also validate activity that others may have experienced as well. So thank you again for taking the time to share your encounter. Up next, we take to the skies. The following is Terry's call from Montana. Hi, my name is Taryn. <clears throat> I'm uh, originally from Montana, born and raised. Um, so, one night about, I was about 13 or 12, 12 years old, so this is about 10, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and me and my friends, uh, my two friends, uh, we were outside playing on my trampoline. Um, it was about dusk, um, almost nighttime. And we were just laying there looking up at the sky. Um, I lived about 10 miles out of town. So all around, um, wasn't like any you know, lights, you know, there was not any, barely any light pollution at all. Um, could see the night sky clearly, the stars, yada, yada. Um, but, so we were just laying there, and uh, we see this light, this, like, um, light in the sky over... Um, I live next to the Yellowstone River, so it was up over past the river on the other side, and it kept getting closer, and we were just watching it, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it, and um, it was just, it kept getting brighter, and it was just, there were these like neon lights um, going around in a circle, and they were just at random so like I knew it couldn't have been a plane because those lights go at the same pace yeah yeah but um so it kept getting closer and closer and um and um it was a completely clear night uh uh, it was completely quiet, and I asked my friend if, she, if they were seeing this, and um, we and it all of a sudden got right up over us, and 
right up over us, okay? It was a round, it was the round, typical round um, shape, but then it had the a circle-like egg in the center, and um, the lights seemed to be like it was green, white, red, um, blue, like just these neon-looking lights just flashing and going around the 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 craft looking and um and as it was getting right up over us we all three of us freaked out and just ran into the house of course you know we don't i don't think we ever really talked about it um i 100 percent believe in aliens and my uh the youngest of us uh she was about nine years old um my friend's sister she denies that it ever happened um but still my best friend she of course you know but yeah i didn't realize how difficult this was going to be for me to talk about so um sorry for my rambling but uh love the show yeah thanks bye Thank you, Terry, for taking the time to share your story. I realize how difficult it can be to recount these strange experiences. Now, for your story, my first thought was that this could simply be some sort of drone. But then two thoughts entered my mind. The first being this. The sighting took place about 11 years ago. Drones, which did exist, were not nearly as readily available or commonplace as they are now. So the chances of running into one were greatly reduced. Secondly, drones, especially back then, were large, bulky, and most importantly, very loud. So you'd think that if this was what Terry saw that evening, she would have described a loud humming or buzzing sound. So I'm confident in saying that this most likely was not a simple drone sighting. Her description is very similar to many other sightings. A circular craft with lights on the outside and a dome or egg shape in the center. So at the very least, that is consistent with other reports over the years. Unfortunately, I am unable to definitively say what was witnessed that night, but I do appreciate the fact that Terry shared it. Sometimes, that's just as difficult as the actual sighting. Thank you again, Terry, for sharing. Up next is a story about a strange coincidence. This is Fernando's call from California. Hi, Derek. My name is Fernando. I'm in uh, Central Valley in California, Fresno. Actually, you probably know where that's at. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for the podcast. I think it's awesome that you quite literally give your listeners and your fans and supporters a voice. I appreciate that and the time and effort you put into that. So thank you. Great, great job. Keep up the good work. Um, I, don't, I don't quite know if this story will count for, you know, something that you can use, but I thought it was kind of weird. I, I've been catching up on your podcast the last couple of days. And the other morning, I got a text message. It was kind of early, about 7.30. And I'm, you know, looking at my text messages right now. It said, hello, I'm Anderson. I would like to know if you can teach my two daughters dance lessons and if you accept credit cards. I am a dance instructor, so I do private lessons, group classes, and stuff like that. So I said, hi, Anderson. Thanks for inquiring. You know, unfortunately, I don't take credit cards, but I can do cash or check. And so he, I'm assuming it's a he. I've only known 
a Dr. Anderson, who was a male, but, you know, for the sake of simplicity, I'll say he. He said, okay, I have two girls. They're 14 and 19. They have experience in dance. And if you can do Wednesdays and Fridays, he wanted a, a package of lessons, which, um, you know, I hadn't done before, but I let him know the price and stuff. And then he said, okay, I should have visited you in person, but I'm with Neptune Marine, and I'm presently offshore, so I want my two sons to receive the dance lessons before I'm back. Can you do that for me? So that was first. I thought that was kind of weird, because first he'd asked for his two daughters and then his two sons. But, you know, I, I let him know that I was going to have class and then work, and I asked if we could talk, you know, sometime after five on the phone that I would call. Uh, he didn't respond, but, you know, a little bit after five, he sent a message just, hello. And so I tried calling, and it's a, let's see, a 510 area code, so that's like East Bay, kind of Oakland area, I looked it up, and I called this number, and I was uh, connected to a company, and the guy said it was a heating and ventilation company, I said, is there an Anderson there, I got these text messages from Anderson, he said, no, there's no Anderson here, and he told me, you know, a little bit about his company, you know, they said, well, you know, is this afforded number could I have gotten here somewhere else and he said no it's probably just like an electronic anomaly something like that so so I double checked I said there's no Anderson here and he goes Anderson like like something clicked and then I said yeah Anderson he goes I saved a guy named Anderson once but he died and that was just kind of weird and I, <laughs> I really didn't know what to say I think I said you know I'm sorry if I brought up something you know, that's, that's hard to think about. And he said, no, no, that's fine, whatever. So we got off the phone, and I was kind of thinking about that. I thought that was just really weird because the number that he, he called me from, I had to call first, and there was no answer. So he called me back from a different number than the one I called. So that's why I was asking if it rerouted to or called forwarded or something. But according to the guy, no. And, you know, the only Anderson he knew was someone who had passed away. So I sent a text message back to Anderson. I said, hi, I tried calling, but it seems to reroute some company number. I'll be available in half an hour. You can call me then. And he replied back right away with a text message. You know, you can, he asked me to set up uh, a credit card payment. He said, okay, I want you to set up this payment so that you can uh, take payment. And he said, I'll be responsible for the tax charges. And so at this point, I'm kind of, maybe because I was listening to your podcast and kind of weirded out. And so I said, you know, I won't feel comfortable taking payment, you know, through credit card like that. Maybe we can talk later once you get back. And I think it's probably just a weird coincidence. But like I said, I've been listening to your show, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind. And I don't know if, I don't know what the connection between this Anderson who was texting me and the Anderson that the guy at that company knew. It, it just struck me as kind of weird, you know, it left me with a weird feeling afterwards. So that's it I know not too uh, not really a, a sighting or anything like that just something weird that happened I thought I'd share that thanks for your time thank you Fernando I'm quite familiar with the Fresno area actually I've passed through there many times on my way to Yosemite National Park now at first glance your coincidental story comes off as just that coincidental but it is worth noting that the name Anderson is not the most popular name in the world. So the odds of all this lining up simply based on a less than popular name is a bit low. Now I wonder how the man you spoke to saved the gentleman. 
Perhaps that bit of missing information could shed some light on this series of strange events. Thank you again, Fernando, for taking the time to submit your call. Our next stop on this round-the-country paranormal road trip takes us to the state of Kentucky. This is Dylan's call from the Bluegrass State. Hi, this is Dylan. I was going to tell a story that happened uh, a long time ago, probably maybe, uh, I'd say maybe two years ago. My aunt and uncle lived in a house uh, in White Lake, Kentucky, and it was a old, um, I, I guess a townhouse, but it was actually considered out in the country. Um, it was a boarding house for people that would come off the train because there used to be a train track that came through the thing before they took it up. Um, but one night we was all in one bedroom and, uh, my aunt and uncle was telling me stories about what they've been hearing and they was talking about things moving and doors closing. So we just, you know, tried to see if, you know, we would catch anything or hear anything. So my parents and my cousins and aunt and uncle was in our one room and we was just sitting there in the middle of the dark and, uh, everything else, like all the lights in the other rooms was on and stuff. And even downstairs, the lights was on. And we heard, uh, maybe about 30 minutes, we heard a car door slam. So we thought that maybe, you know, someone had come to visit uh, my aunt and uncle. Well, they sound like they opened up the door and walked in, and we could hear footsteps. So we, well, you know, because he, my aunt and uncle left the door unlocked. So, you know, they was, I mean, maybe a little bit skeptic, saying maybe, well, it's somebody else, you know, coming in to visit and it sounded like they was walking in the living room and then they walked into the kitchen well we was upstairs and all of a sudden we started hearing them walking upstairs and they got up to our door where we was at and all we could see was just a shadow of a person standing there and it started to turn the doorknob but they couldn't open the door then it walked over to another bedroom and just stopped there and then it waited about 10 minutes and it walked back over to the same door that we was at and just stood there. And then we can hear it walk back downstairs and walk back outside and walk back into the vehicle. And we couldn't hear the vehicle actually start up or anything, but that was one coincidence that happened. And it's just things after that just started picking up, uh, door slamming and things like that. And they eventually moved and I've done some research of the place and it come to find out it was actually a boarding house and there were several people that had died in that uh, due to heart attack and this illness. But just wanted to share that story. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. I always find it amazing how these old structures seem to soak up the presence of a past occupant and then magically disperse them in little pieces. And that seems to be the case with your situation. Thank you again for taking the time to share. And that brings us to the last call of the week. The following is Victor's call from Canada. Hello, Derek. My name is Victor, and I currently reside in Ontario, Canada with my wife and one-year-old son. I grew up in New Jersey, Jersey City to be exact, and as a young child, around eight or so, I had an experience outside of my grandmother's house I was outside sitting on the porch with a couple of my sisters and some of my cousins. My aunt and mother were there also. 
My sisters and cousins had just let off from relentlessly picking on me for dropping a glass in my grandmother's kitchen while pouring myself some water. They told me it was bad luck and that I was going to be cursed. Like most kids, when they saw an opportunity to strike, they did, but me being young and oblivious to any sort of thing scoffed and went about my business. While sitting on the porch with the entirety of the aforementioned people, I saw an apparition of what to me looked clearly like a man in cowboy boots and jeans walked directly past me. I mean, not even four feet away. I nearly leaped out of my skin. You see, the odd thing is this. The figure was very real looking. I remember being able to make out the railing on the porch past the figure, but just barely. And there was nothing from the waist up. I can see the trees and sky, but further down a set of barely transparent legs in an old western attire. Even stranger is that this happened in front of my entire family there that day, and I was the only one who saw it, and everyone tried to talk me down and tell me that my sisters had gotten to me. But even at eight years old, I knew what I saw. It was real to me, as real as I am, or anything that I expected as real, for that fact. Fast forward to 2012. I was 28 and about to say goodbye to the military after eight years of service and three tours in Iraq. I was ready to start a family and move on to better things. This was the case with not just me, but a few of my friends, and, and as sort of a going-away get-together, myself and four of my friends decided to investigate the old Memorial Hospital in Palestine, Texas. This was about a three-hour drive from base, and we set out about 8 p.m., arriving an hour or so before midnight. The place was pretty intimidating and very much haunted. For about six hours, we roamed the halls of this three-story building, and although we didn't see anything that night, we heard plenty, and even got a chance to capture a few EVPs. I personally haven't shown anyone these except for my wife. She tells me she can't hear anything, but I feel it's because she doesn't want to. Here are the facts. Like I said, we spent the better part of six hours in this place ensuring that we hit midnight and 3 a.m. goals we set before we left. Although it was slightly possible, I would bet my life that no one was there besides the five of us. The recordings were taken at different times throughout the night, and no one heard anything except for Keat, who you can hear in the recording stating that he heard what he did when he does. Other than that, the rest of us only heard them when reviewing the recordings. Some are better than others, and there's a clear difference between our voice and the voices heard in the recordings, at least in my opinion. So, I hope you enjoy listening, and I hope you hear what I do. I'm a huge fan of the show and look forward to your response. Victor. Thank you, Victor. The first part of your call harkens back to a few other calls we've had come in over the past year. The report of a pair of ghostly legs is an interesting one. I think that detail of the call needs to be explored further. But until then, let's focus on the latter part of the call. Allow me to be upfront here. I don't really believe in the ghost box or spirit box, which is what it seems like Victor is using. For those unfamiliar, this device is basically a handheld radio that has been altered to consistently scan available channels. It's this podcaster's opinion that the only voices you hear come from the radio DJs, commercials, and even music. That observation aside, Victor included with his story a handful of, for lack of a better term, EVPs. So for the first time in the history of the show, I'm going to play a few of these samples. So here's how I'll do this. I'll play the EVP twice, then tell you what Victor believes it says, then play it 
a third time. Here is the first recording. Anyone looking for their wife in here? She passed away. Anyone looking for their wife in here? She passed away. Victor claims that it's a woman saying the words, Oh my. Here it is again. Anyone looking for their wife in here? She passed away. And here's the second recording. Hi. This is isolation. Let's go check this out. I heard a woman's voice say hi. Hi. This is isolation. Let's go check this out. I heard a woman's voice say hi. According to Victor, you can hear a woman's voice say hi in this recording. Hi. This is isolation. Let's go check this out. I heard a woman's voice say hi. And finally, this recording. It's real dense in here. It's real dense in here. Now, according to Victor, this one is unclear but quite obvious, and I can actually hear the voice in this one. So let's play it one more time. It's real dense in here. Now, I will link to all of the EVPs that Victor sent me in the show notes for tonight's episode, which can be found at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash show notes. I will let each of you decide if what you are hearing are voices from beyond or simply radio chatter. Thank you, Victor, for submitting all this info. It's fun to listen to these and try to solve the mystery. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. But before I go, the morning announcements. I just started a fan page on Facebook for the show that allows you to post and interact without having your submission buried, which unfortunately seemed to happen quite often. So simply do a Facebook search for Fans of Monsters Among Us podcast and you'll find the page there. If you stumble upon a cool story or the latest mystery sighting, be sure to post it up. I'm looking forward to interacting with everyone. Speaking of interacting, I'll be at CryptidCon in Frankfort, Kentucky on September 10th, and at the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a week later on the 17th. I'll be the only one there wearing a Cryptid Crate t-shirt, so if you see me, say hello. If you have a story to share, hit up the hotline at one 888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Remember, there is a five-minute limit, so if you need more time, simply call back and pick up where your first call left off. I also want to mention a cool gift I received a while back, something I enjoyed so much I decided to include it in this month's Cryptic Crate. Kelly from Beast and Blankets sent me a tiny Mothman sculpture made of what I can only guess is polymer clay. This little guy is pretty cool, and his eyes even glow. Head over to Etsy.com and search for Beast and Blankets, or just follow the link in the show notes. Kelly has all kinds of creations, from cryptids to dragons. 
And let me tell you, these things have to be seen to be appreciated. So thanks for sending that over, Kelly. A big thank you to Warren Pawn Abbott for his help with this episode. And I also want to thank Teresa Z for her generous donation. Your support is very much appreciated, Teresa. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. <laughs>